Hi there, I'm Josh Christensen, and you're listening to ADA Live. Yo. Hey, everybody. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, I want to welcome you to ADA Live. I'm Barry Whaley. I'm the project director at the Southeast ADA Center. As a reminder, listening audience, if you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, you can use the online form anytime at adalive.org. Every October, we celebrate the diverse contributions that people with disabilities make to America's workforce and our economy during National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, the third Wednesday of October, the American Association of People with Disabilities coordinates a national effort to promote career development for students and job seekers with disabilities through career exploration and ongoing mentoring, relate, mentoring relationships. In recognition of Disability Mentoring Day, we are very pleased to have with us our guest, Joss Christensen. He is the project director of the Partnership on Inclusive Apprenticeships, PIA. Uh, it's an initiative funded by ODEP, the U.S. Department of Labor Office of Disability Employment Policy. So, Joss, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. So let, let's start with inclusive apprenticeships. Just what exactly are they and why are they important? Sure. Um, an inclusive apprenticeship is a, is a program that's driven by employers and it, it provides apprentices with both classroom uh, instruction, uh, some training about the subject matter at hand, as well as on the job training once they're placed at a site. And that on the job training often has a mentor involved in it, um, which is uh, good to note as I see there's some celebration of mentoring uh, in this month. So uh, you're there, you're on site, you have a mentor, um, and the, the training and instruction is focused on helping apprentices master specific skills needed for a specific occupation. So individuals enrolled in apprenticeship are paid a competitive wage while they learn and gain credentials to support their success in the workplace. People often refer to apprenticeships as, quote, earn while you learn, end quote. Um, there's some good statistics that the Department of Labor has compiled regarding apprenticeships. And 94% of apprentices who complete their apprenticeship uh, training are retained by their employers. And currently, the average annual salary of those apprentices is over 70,000 US dollars. So can be a, a career changer for individuals and really shift the trajectory uh, of their professional um, arc. Um, an inclusive apprenticeship program can help provide access to, to those lifelong career pathways for job seekers from various diverse backgrounds, including people with disabilities. And uh, I wanna be clear that when we talk about apprenticeships for people with disabilities, we really mean all disabilities. Um, and so when we talk about winding the talent pool, we're talking about you know, individuals with disabilities, including cognitive, 
neurological, physical, mental health disabilities, um, as, well as, as well as sensory disabilities. And so we're working in fields where um, all kinds of folks can participate and succeed and gain credentials and skills they need to have a, a great career trajectory. Um, I would note, if I can here now, that uh, this work um, ha has been endorsed extensively by the current administration. The White House, uh, you know, shortly after the transition has affirmed its commitment to investing in the future of work and helping create jobs for underserved populations, including people with disabilities, and focused on kind of high growth, high demand industries. All, they have also expressed an eagerness to expand the registered apprenticeship programs and pre-apprenticeship programs that come out of the Department of Labor and have prioritized apprenticeship and workforce development in industries focused on clean energy and infrastructure. Um, and they've communicated through an executive order their commitment to this uh, supporting DEIA, which I was excited to see. So that's diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the workplace. So it's an exciting time to be in this field with an administration that's focused on it, supporting it. I love the DEIA and I'm trying to socialize it everywhere I can. That's, that's great. And so as you say, I mean, they're really added value to these apprenticeship programs uh, and, mm -hmm. and certainly something the current administration values. I'm curious, Josh, we hear about apprenticeship intermediary organizations, these AIOs, mm -hmm. What role did they play with these inclusive partnerships? First, I would note they come in all shapes and sizes and vary. Um, there is a very broad spectrum of what an apprenticeship intermediary organization can do and be. So um, keep that in mind for any of the following answers. But in general, what an AIO is going to do is connect apprentices to the employers, you know, they kind of sit in between talent and the employer and help these employers create a program that can kind of launch and grow and, and, and foster a successful apprenticeship program. So the intermediaries often uh, could be run by industry associations, chamber of commerce, maybe it's a community college or a technical college, a nonprofit, um, could be run by, by labor management partnerships, um, as well as workforce development boards. So they really come in all shapes and sizes, but their main priority is kind of to make registered apprenticeship programs easier for the companies, to be a facilitator in between the employer and talent. Thanks, Josh. You know, it's, this is really a great topic to be talking about, especially today. Um, Syracuse University, the, the Burton Blatt Institute, where I work, we, we have a new project, the Disability Inclusive Employment uh, Policies Project, which is a, a, a program uh, of Syracuse, Rutgers, and, and Harvard, a partnership of those three institutions. And so we're, we're, we're doing a lot of work right now studying the effectiveness uh, of, of um, <clears throat> apprenticeship intermediary organizations and, and inclusive apprenticeships. So how, how can the partnership on inclusive apprenticeship your, help employers? 
Yeah, and and I would say it, it you know can help intermediaries as well. We really want to provide um, supports and resources to whoever could benefit them, and oftentimes it is similar between employers and intermediaries. But specific to employers, um, you know, uh, one of the biggest things is just expanding and developing apprenticeship programs, um, particularly ones that are diverse, inclusive, equitable, and accessible. Um, a lot of times industries and companies aren't familiar with apprenticeship as a talent solution. Um, and so just helping them kind of navigate those waters and at, while doing that, ensuring that they are inclusive to all their apprentices is, is, a, is an area where we, we focus. Clearly that has different stages. There are some specifics to that but overarching, that's a lot of what we do. Um, you know, we, we help provide them kind of resources, knowledge, expertise, specific to disability and people with disabilities and the inclusion of people with disabilities. Um, and then uh, as previously we discussed, you know, the inter intermediaries, uh, we can help employers find the right intermediary for them. And then, then the intermediary can help streamline the process and the programs and help the whole process go a little easier for the employers themselves. So sometimes we uh, provide that kind of relationship and connection depending on the industry and uh, geography, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I think overall, if you look at the life cycle of an employee, we're trying to help the employers understand the accessibility need of the apprentices um, during that kind of full cycle tip to tail, um, whether that's about accommodations and physical accessibility, whether that's about platforms and digital accessibility, we want to provide any you know, insight, resources, expertise, free of cost to anyone that we can to ensure uh, the accessible and inclusive workplace. Great, thanks, Josh. Before we go on, I, I do want to ask you a question related to these um, apprenticeships and, and the pandemic. You know, we've gone through some tough times the last 18, 19 months. How, how have apprenticeships been impacted and the work you do uh, by the pandemic? And yeah. What sort, and what sort of, of accommodations had to be made for, for all people? Yeah, it's been very interesting. We're actually working on a policy paper right now. Um, about some of the impact. There's, a, there's two things I would say. One is the impact, and I think one is the, the hope and promise of it going forward. You know, the first is what many people and industries experienced, regardless of your full-time, part-time, or apprentice, is this notion of telework and working for home. And what did that mean uh, generally across the board? I think this office, I mean, this audience is familiar with the fact that we've been advocating for flexibility and accommodations around telework for a long time for people with disabilities. Sometimes it was said that it couldn't be done. Lo and behold, when there was a challenge, most of the uh, people stepped up and we were able to see a pivot to telework. And that's been great. And so we helped um, intermediaries and employers ensure that those processes, you know, more and more um, conference calls, video meetings, 
maybe extended use of platforms to collaborate between team members. We helped ensure that those were, were accessible um, and useful so that everyone could, could do what they needed to do, even if they could not be in the office. Um, so that's exciting. And we have some resources around that we're happy to share. I think, you know, specifically for apprenticeships, um, it struck hard because there is this training model. Sometimes there are cohorts getting training before they go even to the site. And so really depending upon the industry, it had a different impact. Um, you know, for example, we work with a couple of intermediaries. One is almost exclusively tech sector IT. They had zero trouble pivoting to all virtual um, and really not missing a beat. And that's a little bit what we're writing on in this policy paper to, to bring out what worked there and best practices. They've even seen some, some efficiencies and cost savings within that. Um, so, you know, for some, it, it, it didn't miss a beat. And then for others, it completely shut it down. Uh, we've got some partnerships in healthcare um, that are hands-on and every meeting was in person. And because they are healthcare and not technology, they weren't as prepared to pivot to go completely virtual. And so that was tough for some, for others. Um, I think what I would end on to that question of the pandemic is we also know um, there are some pretty severe economic impacts for individuals. And, um, you know, this, this notion that the administration has about, uh, you know, building back better, I really and truly believe apprenticeship can do that. So if people are already a little bit in the hole because of the pandemic, it's not necessarily the time to take out a loan and go to school. Apprenticeship is an opportunity to get a wage while you learn and also position yourself with pretty strong, you know, certainty and job security for a well-paying job in, you know, high growth, high demand, competitive jobs of the future. So I'm hopeful that it's a solution to help us get out of the divot that the pandemic created. Right, yeah. Yep, Th thanks, Josh. Yep, great answer. Um, ADA Live listening audience, if you have questions about this topic or any other ADA Live topic, you can submit your questions online at www.adalive.org or you can call the Southeast ADA Center at 1-404-541-9001. Uh, we're gonna pause now for a word from today's sponsor. The Partnership on Inclusive Apprenticeship, PIA, helps design diverse and inclusive apprenticeship programs that are accessible to all. PIA collaborates with employers and apprenticeship programs to help meet employer talent needs and enable people with disabilities to benefit from apprenticeships that increase their opportunities for lifelong access to high growth, high demand jobs. PIA is funded by the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy, ODEP. ODEP launched PIA to ensure all apprenticeship programs are inclusive and accessible to people with disabilities. To learn more about PIA, visit their website at inclusiveapprenticeship.org. Hi, welcome back everybody. We're talking with Josh Christensen, Director of Partnership for Inclusive Apprenticeship. Um, 
Josh, going back to before the question about the pandemic, we were you were talking about some ways that PIAs could help employers. And I wonder if you could share some examples of, of inclusive apprenticeships. Yes, and I hope that um, we too will be putting out a podcast this month that actually does a focus on um, individual real apprenticeships experiences, the, the, the apprentices themselves that kind of elaborate this a little more. But in case we miss the deadline, let me let me uh, make sure that I cover it here. Um, you know, one example would be with the organization Apprenti. Um, you could find them at Apprenti with the just ti careers.org. And they're an organization focused on creating diverse pipeline of tech talent. For years, they were focused on women, veterans, underrepresented minorities, and then they wanted to um, make sure that they could also include people with disabilities there. So they've been on a journey over the past few years, um, you know, starting with simply looking at their website, uh, making sure that was accessible. Then it went on to kind of their testing and evaluation they have. They have kind of an intake, um, you know, evaluation tool, making sure that was accessible. Um, and then they want to make sure their outreach on social media, the, the PDFs and files they were sharing with others about recruiting more. So we kind of helped them with all that journey along the way. Um, and that's really important, at least at the very beginning, making sure your site, your job application portal, your outreach, all of that is done in an accessible way um, so folks can participate. And so the folks are welcome and see that it's a place um, where disability is, is welcomed and celebrated. Um, and then, you know, that goes on to accommodations uh, down the line and, and Apprenti has been doing some amazing work around proactive outreach around accommodations, tracking it, providing it, being, being real transparent and uh, about it to make sure that anyone with any reservations or uh, hesitance or, or myths about asking for accommodations that could be um, assuaged a bit. So I'm really excited to see how Apprenti's doing it. That would be one prime example, and they're a really large um, intermediary. Um, another would be we, we partner with an organization called Three Talents, and this is exclusively cohorts of people with disabilities. It is not quite uh, a full apprenticeship, um, but we are working with them as an intermediary to grow the program in some areas now. I, I hope by the time this comes out, we may have an apprenticeship program together in a few areas we're focusing on, but they, are, they do now set you up for apprenticeship. They focus on IT certification. So there's a variety of certifications that folks can go, kind of like a bridge academy, they call it, and all people with disabilities going through online training, learning about a specific uh, credentialing certification, they leave with that, and it really sets them up uh, for a place to be competitive and go to the next step, uh, which which uh, a logical one would be uh, registered apprenticeships. Right, right. So, Josh, we've been talking. Obviously, there's value added and great benefit for you know, especially young folks with disabilities to be involved in apprenticeship programs and these opportunities. But there's also value and benefit to employers too. And I'm I'm wondering if you could 
maybe elaborate on if I'm an employer or if I'm a job coach trying to, to arrange for an apprenticeship program, what are my talking points to, to that employer? Yeah, um, great question. And uh, we actually uh, have put out some resources I'd encourage people to check out on our website specifically to this question. To an employer, what are the benefits? What's the value proposition? If you're, if you're involved in apprenticeship and or if you're recruiting and hiring people with disabilities, what is the return on that investment? And I think we illustrated in a strong way backed by sources and details. So I'd encourage people to check that out. But I, I'll, I'll give some highlights. I mean, um, I think it's important to know that just simply including people with disabilities, um, have, making sure that all apprentices know that they're welcome as people, as a person with disability, is going to open up and make everyone uh, feel more welcome and supported as an employer. So kind of morale and engagement is definitely gonna go up um, and it's a, great, it's a great way for an employer to uh, just get a stronger work, workforce um, and a higher, more engaged, enthusiastic staff. Um, and, you know, if you're looking specifically at hiring people with disabilities, there's many studies, but uh, one we cite has a 28% higher revenue. That's, you know, that's not uh, insignificant. And these are major companies. Those who have invested and championed inclusion and are hiring people with disabilities are performing better um, and have higher revenues. So that's really exciting. Um, and, you know, an inclusive uh, talent pipeline such as apprenticeship that gets you um, more than just people with, with disabilities, uh, it, it just produces greater workplace productivity and innovation. Um, people that come from all backgrounds are going to be more creative and innovative. And we have some statistics now that, that show that to be true. Um, and it, you know, it just help, it helps the employers reach their DEIA goals. So if they're, you know, have any initiatives or, or any um, hope or dreams, you know, to make a more inclusive, equitable, accessible, diverse workplace. Apprenticeship is going to help with that across the board. Hiring people with disabilities is also gonna help that across the board. Um, if I were to name some specific benefits um, quickly, I would say that, you know, uh, it's a talent pool issue. So there are some growing industries that literally don't have enough qualified candidates out there. So both apprenticeship and inclusion of people with disabilities is going to help solve that problem. Uh, they're gonna be able to find high quality talent and an inclusive apprenticeship program can really, really help with kind of untapped talent pools for critical positions. Um, an inclusive apprenticeship program can provide them with uh, that pipeline in a way that they might not be accessing. Uh, otherwise, there are many entities that are, that are promoting uh, inclusion and apprenticeship. And so it's like a multiplier of their own outreach and recruitment efforts. Um, and, and they're ensuring by the time the person gets through the program, they don't have to train them. They don't have to wonder if they really have the skills or talent that they had on their resume or talked about in their interview. When they're, when they're on the job, when they're in their apprenticeship and or when they finish, the whole point is, 
you have taken a, a an individual that's intelligent and hardworking and given them exactly what your um, company needs. And so, you know, fitting the skill set, uh, getting the, the qualifications you need is part and parcel of apprenticeship, uh, which is just a huge boon to employers because they don't have to spend their own money doing their own thing uh, around training and making sure they're getting them up to speed. Um, so, you know, the DEIA goals um, are important. There are studies that show that, you know, folks, um, especially younger generations, if they see inclusion, especially of people with disabilities, as something the program does, they're more inclined and like that, right? Not because they're necessarily an individual with a disability, but because they want to work in a place that is inclusive of those folks. So there's some good statistics that, you know, I think it's like 70, 80% of um, millennials and youngers prize that as a differentiator on where they may want to work. So it's also potentially a way to get you some good talent from traditional pools. Um, and we have a few others. I won't belabor the point, but I would encourage people to check them out on our site um, because there are real tangible bottom line benefits to employers. That's excellent. Yeah, thank, thanks so much, Josh. So, you know, real value to employer, both affecting um, hiring, affecting, uh, affect, uh, that affects retention, training, and, and, but then the bottom line too, right? You know, um, um, it, 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 it creates value for the company. You, you know, in a perfect world, <laughs> we don't, you, you know, there would be no unconscious bias. There, there would be no ableism, but in, in fact, there is. And that's, you know, we talk about inclusive workplaces and inclusion. You and I have a real idea of what inclusion looks like, but I'm, I'm wondering many employers may think they're being inclusive when they're not or, you, you know, especially this, this issue of, of, of bias. I'm wondering what strategies or tips you might provide to an employer uh, to, to ensure greater inclusion in their, in their workplace. I have so much to say on that, and I do want to hit on a couple of things for context. As someone in my prior life, I've, I've been lucky and thrilled to be learning about and working in disability for close to a decade now. Previously, I was interested in the DEI, right? The equity inclusion of other demographics, be that socioeconomic, race, relation, gender. I'm excited to say, I've, in my experience, if you, can, if you can solve and be inclusive of people with disabilities, a lot of the other things are gonna fall into line because you know, at the heart of it, what an inclusive workplace is, is someone where the, the, the employee, regardless of what their you know, race, ethnicity, gender, age, disability, what else we got, sexual identity, religion, et cetera, et cetera. Regardless of what that status is, they feel valued, they feel respected, and they can achieve their fullest potential. Uh, and, and I'm really excited and hopeful and glad to be in this space because I think this space can help and uplift all the other also important spaces around inclusion. There's a, there's a quote uh, you know, from, from one of your collaborators over there at Harvard, um, but the, the Faculty of Arts and Science and Human Resources Department there 
they say they say it's a culture that quote accepts values and views as strength the differences we all bring to the table end quote and so you know that's an inclusive culture in a workplace as well there's a lot of myths out there uh, that should be dispelled around issues or problems or costs around hiring people with disabilities. I think uh, apprenticeship is a great way to dispel those. I think, you know, increasingly, as I mentioned earlier, the administration uh, putting out executive orders around diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Right now in the United States, we have um, an increased interest uh, on this, a focus on this commitment from company and employers to do a better job and wrestle with their own ineffective ways of being inclusive. And so, you know, this can help that, this can support that. It, if that's a, of interest to a company, um, it's going to happen. And you see uh, the administration is supporting that now. They want people to pay attention to um, you know, the notion of intersectionality. So thinking about someone as an individual having multiple identities that could cause them to be marginalized or excluded, that have them traditionally underrepresented in many industries. You know, we're working on that. And I'm, I'm excited because while before I was a bit more in a silo, happily in a silo with disability, I'm now able to work across aisles per se with demographics, learn from people that have had success bringing women into construction or bringing veterans into technology and learn from how they've done it well so that I can improve you know, our recommendations of bringing in people with disabilities, but also work with them to make sure they're thinking of individuals with disabilities, which they surely have in their target demographic. And so I think it's an exciting time um, and that, um, you know, between the focus by companies, support from the administration, the combination of this with apprenticeship, which is already shown as a, an effective tool to bring in different underrepresented demographics, uh, it's just an exciting time for that to be coming together and can really help an employer understand what all this means. Right. And I appreciate you putting it in the perspective of intersectionality because you 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 know you you mentioned women in construction jobs or whatever but you you know so you have women but then women with disabilities or you have people um with gender identity and disability and those intersectional um identities then just really make it more important that we have inclusive workplaces. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Can I, if I could underscore that there, sure. for example, are programs that recruit specifically what are currently termed returning citizens. So people that have been incarcerated and locked up. Yeah. And, there, and that has a whole host of issues you need to consider, right? When you're, when you're trying to work with that population, bring them out, train them, place them, et cetera. Um, but we know through multiple studies that that population has a much higher percentage than the general population of people with disabilities. So if those programs aren't paying attention to disability inclusion, then their efforts around DEI to, to get that population um, you know, um, into the American economy, productive working, benefiting from and contributing to 
um, the United States is is more likely to fail. And so it it is really important that we all work together and learn from each other um, so that um, these efforts around DEIA can succeed. Right. Right. Thank, thanks, Josh. So we're about out of time. Um, I'm going to give you the last word. Um, how, how do you want to sum this up? Uh, uh, first of all, thank you for, for allowing me to be here. It's been a pleasure. Um, been a, uh, benefited from your resources for a long time. So thank you for that. Uh, I would just, I think I would steer people to our website. That is the place where we put out our free, um, information and resources. And so, uh, hopefully you all can include the URL, but it is, um, www.inclusiveapprenticeship.com. Org. And if you go there, you're going to see a, a wealth of resources. I would highlight a couple. Um, you know, we have some that's just called Designing Inclusive Apprenticeships. It's uh, a quick guide around recruiting and training apprentices with disabilities. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, a resource that will be out around um, answering employers what is the benefit. So I don't have the title to it yet, but I know it'll be there all around the business case for apprenticeship and inclusion, um, as well as podcasts we host. So really the URL is where you can go and learn the most about what we're doing. I'd encourage folks to sign up for our quarterly newsletter, be in touch with us. We are highly collaborative in nature and always looking to see where we can support and have an impact around inclusive apprenticeship. Excellent. Yep. Appreciate your time and, and sharing this information on inclusive apprenticeships and mentoring. All of your resources, as you mentioned, uh, will, will be included with this, with this episode. So th thanks again for being here. And I want to thank our ADA Live listeners for joining us for this episode. Uh, as a reminder to access ADA Live episodes, go to our website, adalive.org where you will find all our episodes are archived with streamed audio, accessible transcripts, and resources. You can listen to our SoundCloud channel, ADA Live, at soundcloud.com forward slash ADA Live. You can also download ADA Live to your mobile device. Uh, go to your app store and search uh, in the podcast app for ADA Live. If you have questions about the ADA, you can submit them anytime online at adalive.org, or you can contact your regional ADA center, 1-800-949-4232. And as always, those calls are free and they're confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center. Our producer, Celestia Razda, with Beth Miller-Harrison, Mary Mortar, Emily Ruber, Marcia Schwanke, and me, I'm Barry Whaley. Uh, our music is from Four Wheel City, the movement for improvement. We'll see you next episode. Be safe, everybody, and have a great National Disability Employment Awareness Month.